Welcome to the Kegel Room, a podcast for women of color to learn all the things you didn't learn about pelvic health, from sex to childbirth, pain, fitness, and then some. I'm your host, Dr. Camille Siegel, a licensed pelvic floor physical therapist. Let's get right to it. This week, we're speaking with Jasmine Evelyn, a physiotherapist, registered yoga teacher, and owner of Mindful Movement in Barbados. Jasmine, welcome. Thank you for having me, Camille. You're so welcome. So today, I wanted to talk to you more about what you do. You're a physical therapist in Barbados, and you're also a yoga instructor. We know a little bit about you, so we wanted to find out a little bit more that not so easy to find. You're a physical therapist and you specialize in women's health or pelvic floor. Is there a particular condition that you treat the most or even conditions that you end up treating the most at your practice? Yeah, I would say um, right now, and I find there's a, most of my patients who are referred for pelvic health physio, usually I would say I have pelvic organ prolapses. That's the most common condition I find I see. And then probably after that would be dyspareunia, so like pain with sex. So I find those two are the most common. Yes, I would still get some urinary incontinence and stuff like that, but I find the, the most common thing I see um, would be pelvic organ prolapse for sure. And you didn't ask me the least common, but the <laughs> least common, uh, I would say as much as I would love to treat men, I treat men as well. And I would really love to serve men in my practice more. But I think that that is something that I would have to um, educate more here in Barbados. So I have seen a few men from urologists, especially after prostate surgery. Um, so if I do see men, it will mainly be after prostate surgery. But in terms of women, definitely pelvic organ prolapse. Okay, so a few of our listeners might not know what pelvic organ prolapse is. So how do you define it? Okay, so for me, when I'm explaining to my patients, I always like to show them a pelvis. And so if anybody I know is listening, they're probably like, Jasmine, with this again? But this is why I always say, I say, look at a pelvis, and you will see that it's a bucket without a bottom, at the bony pelvis. So then if you um, imagine that you have to hose your pelvic organs in there, so your bladder, your uterus, etc., at the bottom there's your pelvic floor. And your pelvic floor helps to keep them supported. So yes, they're connected to your pelvic wall via ligaments, but your pelvic floor helps give them lots of buoyancy and lift. And so sometimes what can happen is that they can descend into the vaginal space. And sometimes when patients hear that, they get scared. Our patients also think, so it's literally my bladder I can poke and I have to explain to them. Actually, it's through the vaginal wall. I have these horrible drawings that I do. Like, they, they get them. I think they do. But when I look back at them after the fact, I'm like... <laughs> What am, I, what am I drawing? But I will, you know, show them pictures. I will show them diagrams. I have a little pelvis I will show them. So I always say it's like just a downward movement of your organ, whichever one it is, into the vaginal space. But when I explain it to them, I try to make it not as, because it can be very scary. I remember when I first learned about pelvic organ, perhaps after, uh, it was my last placement. It was a women's health placement. I had never heard of pelvic floor before I had never heard of pelvic organ prolapse so when I saw it I remember being horrified so I'm trying not to give them that experience so I try to make it as palatable and 
as and try to be as reassuring as possible when I do define it. Yeah, I hear you when you say that it's a horrifying thing. Most of my patients, actually all of my patients that do have pelvic organ prolapse, if I'm talking to them on the phone or if they're there in front of me, I tell them, do not search the internet because the internet will give them the most scary thing. That's why it makes the internet. It's not interesting if it's not scary, right? Right, and I try to, perfect, and I try to be, you know, reassuring i find that a lot of people i don't know if you get this but i find a lot of people ask is it like cancer will i get cancer because of this i get a lot of that patients ask me and i always have to be very reassuring and sometimes you know i want them to feel better when they leave Mm -hmm. if they don't feel better like physically if they even if they still feel heaviness or whatever in their pelvis if that's what they're feeling i just want them to feel better and feel reassured when they leave as long as I do say, you know, I feel so much better now, at least knowing that it's not, like, life-threatening. Because a lot of times mm-hmm. they think, you know, that it's really something. I mean, yes, it's not the ideal situation, but it's not something that I want them to be afraid of or horrified of. Yeah, I absolutely hear you. So what are some, other than teaching them the anatomy of the pelvic floor and the whole pelvis and what a pelvic organ prolapse is what are two or three things that you end up sharing with patients so that they do leave feeling better yeah so i don't know if you find this but i find like a lot of my patients who have pelvic organ prolapse they will also have like once i get to the we're talking about bowel oftentimes be constipated and they're oftentimes straining once i talk to them about you know toileting and once I find that they are having issues I find that toileting is one of the first things that I like to kind of change lifestyle ways so I will you know find out from them what is your diet like and sometimes you know they're saying well you know I don't drink much water mm-hmm. I don't like veggies and I'm like well <laughs> you need to include that so <laughs> get your water bottle don't guzzle but try to sip some water throughout the day try to increase your fiber intake Find stuff that you like to eat that, you know, is healthy and that will promote good gut health and promote good bowel movements. Um, I will encourage them to also include some gentle form of movement, whether it's walking, whether it's like a little yoga flow I can give them. Roll, so lying on their back and just rolling their knees from side to side to get their bowels moving. I will also teach them sometimes abdominal massage. So I have, a, again, a horrible drawing of an abdominal <laughs> massage I give them. to to use and it just shows them how to like massage in a clockwise direction and get the bowels moving and I like to not necessarily to tell them to buy a squatty potty but I always tell them use something to put your feet up on make the whole experience of toileting much easier and more gentle on your pelvic floor and I always try to explain to them you know we don't want you to be straining and so I try to get them out of that a bit teaching them, you know, if you really feel that you do have to push, maybe like make a fist and blow through it instead. Not rushing. I find sometimes people are rushing to go to the bathroom. So I will say maybe get up 15 minutes earlier so that you can take your time and you don't feel the need to strain on the toilet. So a lot of tips I give them are like toileting tips. That's so important though, because that only aggravates the pressure that they might feel with their pelvic Uh organ prolapse. So the organ just moving down 
into the vaginal canal. And, and I do the same thing. I will also recommend water and I'll show them what they should look like on the toilet in the office. And I'll say, do it with me. <laughs> exactly, precisely. So I will also get them, a lot of times I find that women discover their prolapse while they're washing their mm. vagina. And I say specifically vagina and not vulva. And I'm like, what are you digging up in there? <laughs> so I find that I then have to explain to them, even though, I mean, them digging up in there might not have had anything to do with causing their prolapse. Mm-hmm. But on a side, I also end up then getting into like vaginal health and explaining to them. Don't, yeah, you really don't need to be like, so my patients will squat and dig and coat and prod to wash their vagina. And I have to explain to them, you know, you just need to wash your vulva. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to use soap. You don't need to dig anything inside of there. So mm-hmm. that is a tip that ends up coming out, coming out of a our discussions because a lot of times they discover it because they're digging. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever noticed that. I don't know if that's ever something you ever noticed, but I find a lot of my patients discover it that way. Patients will say to that they're they're washing themselves and they feel something, and then we have to yeah talk about well how are you cleaning yourself and <laughs> what are you doing? The vagina is a self cleaning oven. You don't oh, yes. need to clean it. No douching, no soaps, nothing. Just yes. you only need to clean the vulva, which for people who don't know is just the outside, the labia, and that's pretty much it. You don't need to clean inside your vagina also encourage them to you know get acquainted with what their vulva what you know down there looks like because oftentimes yes as much as they're beginning mm-hmm. they don't know what it looks like down there and so mm-hmm. i kind of encourage them to actually look and know what it looks like so you can you know notice if you see any changes etc and then moving on from that Going back to, you know, we would teach them, we don't want them straining because that's putting extra pressure, you know, increasing their intra-abdominal pressure and putting more pressure on their pelvic floor, etc. But I will then highlight to them other things that can do that. So, for example, are you sneezing a lot, coughing a lot? I find a lot of times somebody's prolapse may actually start there. Maybe they had chronic mm-hmm. sinusitis for a while. And I will say, you know, sometimes as something as simple as taking up your carpet, washing your curtains, things like that. So I'll give them little tips around that. So to get rid of the dust, right? It's for allergy purposes. And I will also say, you know, as sometimes as women, you know, you have so much to do and you are coming home on evenings, you maybe been grocery shopping and you want to take all the bags out at once. I would say, you know, it's better to take four trips. <laughs> <laughs> to take one so other things like that so you're not lifting things that are too heavy mm-hmm. so i'll give them general tips around that before those are tips i would give them even before we probably get onto the bed and do an, an actual assessment so before you're even checking anything you're giving them some tips that they should consider to help them with lifestyle changes exactly. i think that's great so i think a lot of patients misunderstand sometimes what physical therapy in general is, right? They think something is going to get done to them and they don't realize that there's a lot of education involved. And it's especially true with pelvic floor physical therapy because how would they know, right? They don't know. There's so much that they don't know. And we end up spending so much time just educating. Exactly. And that education can change 
their life. I find that sometimes what we also do is we play like things to them. Had a patient once and she was having pain with set. I remember kind of just talking to her and figuring out, so why did it start? And it turns out that she was newly married and she had a ton of stress around the whole oh. marriage, mm-hmm. wedding and family and also cultural for her. Mm-hmm. And I said, you discuss this with your partner, how you felt. And you know, something as simple as that discussion solved her problem. Oh, so literally, that stress that was causing her pain. And literally, she emailed me that night and I was like, problem solved. <laughs> and she didn't really hear that once after that. So I find wow. that something just talking to and uh, highlighting things that are going on in their life yeah. can help their problem. Yes. And I talked about in the last episode how how stress and your emotions can actually manifest itself as physical pain that's such a good point so since you brought up dyspareunia or pain with sex what are Mm -hmm. some tips as well that you can share with anyone who's listening who might have some pain with sex yeah i would say the biggest tip i find that i like to give my patients is to communicate openly and candidly with your partner if you can, if you feel comfortable, and you should be comfortable. I mean, if you're not comfortable, nothing's wrong with that. But, you know, this is a person who you are being very intimate with. Mm-hmm. So it's really, really get comfortable communicating with this person. If you are attending physiotherapy, maybe bring them along if you feel comfortable with that. And if you can get them involved in your treatment. So oftentimes, like if I'm doing, um, helping them to relax their pelvic floor using manual techniques, I will suggest that, you know, this is something that your partner can actually help you with when you're at home. You can do it on your own, but you can also get your partner to help you. And I always explain to them that painful sex can be a cycle. Communication is so important because if you are having pain with sex and then you are let's say you're trying to have sex you're anti- and you're anticipating that it's gonna hurt if you're anticipating that it's gonna hurt it's gonna hurt it's gonna hurt and the muscles your your that in your mind is gonna cause your muscles to become tense mm-hmm. so then you're gonna have sex and it's gonna hurt and that's gonna reinforce in your brain that sex hurts and it's gonna be a cycle going on and on mm-hmm. so this is why it's so important to communicate also take maybe take a step back also with your partner and i'm a huge believer in sometimes pain being a learned pattern we know that definitely pain can manifest physically but sometimes if your body learns pain and learns that you know what sex is painful that can be something that you can learn right and so sometimes you just you have to unlearn it i'm not going to say just because it's difficult but you have to unlearn it and sometimes maybe just taking a step back from sex sometimes I feel can help and you know exploring sex in a different way with your partner you know kind of relearning and you know aside from what you're doing at physiotherapy so I'm sure your physiotherapy is going to help but a lot of times communicating with your partner and as I say taking a step back and also and I mean I'm not a sex therapist I'm not a psychologist I'm (laughs) I'm not a relationship therapist but also seeing like what what is the cause of this so sometimes the cause might might be something for example have patients where they've been holding their urine for years they go to the bathroom at eight o'clock come home on evenings four o'clock and that's when they use the bathroom they're not using it in between and that's that's been their problem i've had patients who've had traumatic experiences around sex so that was the cause and i've had patients who um have had traumatic assessments um, with a medical professional and that was the cause and then I've had patients who it was stress 
So sometimes you take a step back and really try to find out what caused this. See how you and your partner can work it out. Along with your physio, yes. But I think that, yes, physiotherapy works, but it's not going to work if you, if you don't work in isolation. Then exactly. And so I said all of that to say, <laughs> communicate, <laughs> communicate candidly. And I mean, sometimes I've had patients come in and I'm like, does your partner know that you're coming to yeah. physio? Do you know what's going on? They'd be like, no. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not forcing you to tell them. I mean, tell them if um, when you feel comfortable, but I think it will help if you did. Yes, that's the first thing we talk about too in, in my practice is how to communicate this with your partner. And I'll even yeah. offer to them like, I will speak with your partner if that will yeah. help the situation. No. I'll provide a letter to your partner if that's going to help. And here are some suggestions on things that you can do other than penetrative sex because people yeah. forget that it's not just about that. There's so much more involved in sex and, and we forget that often. And I will tell them that you can bring your partner if you feel comfortable to, you know, physio. And as you said, everything you just said, 100%. I yeah. agree. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that people are getting to hear this and hopefully this will ring a bell for someone to, oh, I should probably go see someone about this. And then the other thing I like to say is you're not the only person going through this because oftentimes they think it's just me, what's wrong with me? Yeah. And I'm like, this is so common. Do not think that it's just you that you're only, I mean, is we're not saying that, you know, misery loves company. You're not, you want this people, <laughs> but sometimes you need to understand that you're not the only person going through it. Correct. Yeah. And sometimes these same people will experience uh, a visit with a medical doctor who just tells them it's in their head, right? And it's not just in your head. There is physical pain and the physical pain needs to be addressed as well as the emotional pain. And then they leave thinking something's wrong with me. And I try to debunk that myth right Right from the beginning. Yep. I hear you. No, that's great. So you're also a yoga instructor and you teach yoga what brought you to yoga i started yoga because of a knee injury it was a serious injury uh, but it was an injury that i have from practicing some turns at home I dance as well so i knew i wanted to get back to dancing after physio school my now husband <laughs> suggested to me why don't you do yoga because you know they're standing postures they're gonna strengthen your knees so i said okay i'll give it a try and then when i started yoga it was challenging mm. especially like warriors and stuff on the knee on the knee but i realized that after a while the knee wasn't bothering me anymore during yoga or at dancing or ever so i got over the knee and then i said well if this works maybe i can use this in my physio practice mm. and i remember the first patient i used it with she was the first having persistent because um, I often, I know I used the word chronic earlier, but I sometimes try not to use that word. She had persistent neck pain after being in a motor vehicle accident. Okay. And the traditional exercises to me were flaring her up. So every mm -hmm. time she would leave physio, she would come back and say, well, I, it was okay, but I felt sore afterwards. And I find she wasn't motivated then through her home exercise program. Um, here in Barbados, at the time, I think it's changed a lot now. By the time, like, there was a little taboo around yoga, you know, it's virtual. It, I was like, you know what, I'll just say to her, let's try something new. We're going to try these exercises that are a little slower, and we're going to breathe and move at the same time. And when she came back, she was as best she had felt, you know, after physio. And that's when I thought, you know, maybe I can use yoga more in my practice. And that's basically how <laughs> 
became a yoga teacher really to help with my yoga practice with my sorry physio practice mm-hmm. and just as a way to help my patients at the time not realizing then that it would have been the perfect tool also to help in my pelvic health yeah. practice there's a lot of crossover between yeah. physical therapy and yoga and even pilates like i do pilates as well but i come from a yoga background i'm not certified in yoga but I've been practicing yoga for years and years and I've always seen the the connection between yoga and physical therapy and I went to get certified in Pilates just because I knew less about it and with the intention of going and actually getting certified in yoga as well because there's so much benefit to to all of them yes and sometimes I will use I will use yoga but sometimes there's some little things I will steal from Pilates as well. Yeah. My physio practice. I I do the same thing. I will sort of intertwine Pilates and yoga and say, let's try this and see how that feels. (laughs) So you brought up before that when you first started doing yoga, it was a little taboo. Tell us about that. Why was it so taboo? Barbados is a predominantly Christian society. I think it's changing a lot because yoga is very popular now here in Barbados. At the time when I was starting yoga which would have been in i started practicing in 2013 okay right people will still ask like you know is yoga demonic are you worshiping these gods that these you know poses are named after and it came Uh, out to a place of ignorance i think and in the practice and you know not knowing why it's about so i think persons thought it was a connection to some other so they saw it more as a religious thing versus an internal spiritual thing yeah i think they thought well you can't be a christian and practice yoga interestingly the person what was what would he be um there's a college here in barbados for training priests Uh priests, i think it's codrington college and he actually practices yoga the principal and he actually asked me to come there and teach yoga there so i always (laughs) tell people it can't be that bad if I'm teaching yes. yoga at Codrington College once a month. <laughs> <laughs> we'll practice yoga. <laughs> That's a good um, way to convince them. Yeah, so I always say, you know, it's, it's an internal journey. It's a yeah. spiritual journey for you and, you know, whatever that is for you. So, yeah, but that has changed. I mean, I don't know when last I've had a comment like that. You're, you'll be even kind of weird to say namaste. But no, it's in Barbados, it's completely changed. That's good. I'm glad that people sort of came around to see the benefit of it because it is very beneficial. Do you find that there are other challenges, social, cultural, religious, economic barriers that you find not to yoga, but to physical therapy, specifically pelvic health? The main barrier for me right now as a pelvic health physio in Barbados is education. So there's some doctors who do not know that I exist yet you know they're like you know they don't know about me um but there are also some doctors who know about me and they make good use they refer their patients when it comes down now to patients I find as you know the pelvic area and you know our privates as people like to say mm. are a taboo in general and I don't want to say Barbadians, but they feel like everybody is kind of very, they are very private. Mm-hmm. And you don't really want a stranger digging around down there. But I find it's not as bad as I thought it would have been. I thought, you know, doing pelvic assessments, 
especially doing rectals might be something that persons are not going to be willing to have. But when you have a person who is in pain or a person who really wants to get better, I find that they really don't care. Yeah, so, and, and I find that once you are professional and once you show them that, you know, this is something that I do all the time, and once you are comfortable explaining to them that you don't seem uncomfortable, and once you are, I always say up front that I'm going to ask you some questions that people have never asked you before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Weird questions. Um, but it's all going to help me to understand what's going on. And I speak to them, I look them in their eyes. Um, and I want them to see that I'm really interested in what they have to say and even I'm asking these uncomfortable questions that yeah I actually want to know the answers and that once I'm like that then they will happily answer the questions they will happily ask questions that you will not expect people to ask because they feel open now that they can ask and once I say well actually I will based on you know the question I asked you and you know I showed you the pelvis and I showed you I have a little flat one that's really nice for showing them that by inserting my fingers and my yeah. into the patient, I can actually feel the muscles and get an idea of their strength, get an idea of the tone and they understand. I haven't found any barriers per se aside from education, education. getting people to yeah and you you know, I am one person and I try to write articles. I try to do like things like this. I try to put videos out. I try to I try to do talks wherever I can and educate as best I can. I feel like definitely the education is, they're, they're more educated now than when I first started, but it's still a long way to go. I feel like there should be, there's no reason why you should be incontinent and not realize that there's something that can help you. There's no excuse nowadays when it's yeah. all over social media. It's all over yeah. the internet. You can find articles about it. There's videos about it. Celebrities have spoken about it. Right. Well, I agree. We have the same similar barriers here, even in the U.S., even though there's tons of pelvic floor PTs, there's still some people who have no idea what pelvic floor PT is. They don't realize that pelvic floor PT can help you with your specific condition. And even still, when they call, they say, someone told me that pelvic floor PT might be able to help. On my intake form, there's very specific personal questions. They're at least introduced to some topics that we'll discuss during yeah. our, our session together. And then just like you, I also explain, you know, based on the questions you were asking and based on the answers to some of my questions, internal assessment is warranted. And, and I have probably the same model that you have. Here's what I'm going to do. Here are the muscles I'm going to touch. The best way to really feel them is internally. They just happen to be within the pelvis and I happen to have to go through the vagina. If it's for men, I happen to have to go through the rectum. And like you said, if they want to get help or they're in so much pain and they want their condition or symptoms to go away and they want to get better, at that point they're willing because they've been educated and they know I'm doing this to help them and they're okay with it. Yeah, and I always tell them, you know, you're in control of this whole assessment. So, you know, if you want me to stop at any point, you just stay. If it feels uncomfortable, if it feels sore, you just feed back to me. And I just always try to be as calm and as chill as possible and I always you know make them feel comfortable as what I, I aim to do from the beginning 
And I think that's really important in the population who experience pain with sex, knowing that at any point they can say, you know what, I'm not comfortable with this. Can we stop? And of course, we're like, sure, we can stop. Or, or those people who you've mentioned who you, you work with who have trauma, they yeah. might have some distrust with the medical community. And it's so important for them to know that we don't have to do this now don't have to do it today exactly. other ways of doing it this will give me the best idea but if you're not comfortable i have to respect that and i always say that and i i can think of two people i remember i had one person she came in tears and she was like because I, i'm gonna have to get this assessment i thought you don't have to do anything you're an adult so you know i can't force you to do anything is if you want if you want it yes but you never you never come here and think that something's gonna happen that you don't want it to happen that reassured her and i remember i had another patient who you know, we actually role played. When she first came, we knew for sure internal was also the question. And we would do more yoga and breathing to help her relax her pelvic floor. It was sometimes put weights on her hips in certain positions to help her get a, a deeper stretch. And then eventually, we one session, we did some exercise and then we got her on bed in the position that if she was going to have her internal, we knew it wasn't happening. And she was like, maybe if I just get on the bed. Like, she didn't want to get on the bed. Oh. She was like, maybe if they just get on the bed and lay down and see how you feel. Oh, like, that's fine. That you stay there and you, I covered her just like if she was gonna have it. Close the curtains and she spent some time there. And eventually, we got to the point where we could do the internal. But wow. it took a, a while. But we let her know that you know it's your pace. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not gonna force you to do anything that you don't want to do. And you know things like that, like just taking your time and you know making sure your patients feel like they're the person in control. I mean, as I always say, they are we are serving them. And sometimes professionals behave as though the other way around. And I think people don't realize too, especially for pelvic floor physical therapy, you're spending a hundred percent of the time with your therapist. So if your session is an hour long, you're there or together for an hour. And if we have yeah. to take the full hour to, to breathe and to relax and to calm your pelvic floor, okay, that's what yeah. we'll do. And if you come back, you know, next week, we're going to do the same thing. And the idea is if your pelvic floor needs some work and we, we have to do things that may not be comfortable for you, we'll work mm-hmm. up to that slowly. And when we get there, we get there. Yes, exactly. It's all about just being going with the flow, I find, and also being creative. The example you just shared was great where the patient was, was afraid of an assessment and you role-played, you, you essentially practiced it without actually doing it until she was at the point where you can do it. And that takes a lot of creativity. That's what makes us as public floor PT so special. They always say our patients feel emotionally and mentally plays into the physical structure that we are trying to treat. Exactly. So we we can't we have to look at them as a whole person. Yes. So much more as pelvic PT. I love that so much. It we look at the whole person, not just the pelvic floor or just the pelvis. We think well outside of the box. Well, that was some fabulous information that you shared with us, and I think. I think a lot of people would benefit from hearing this conversation. The one last thing that I wanted to ask you is what does a day of self-care look like for you? Oh, self-care is my all-time favorite. <laughs> Sometimes I do have self-care days where 
you know, I will wake up late, I will eat something that I really like for breakfast because oftentimes breakfast for me is overnight oats that I eat at work. So like if I can eat something that I really like, I mean, there are other times where, you know, you think self-care, people think, oh, getting your nails done and all that. And sometimes I will do that. But my favorite form of self-care is coming home on evenings. And I am going to use this example because I want self-care to be something that's accessible to every single person. Some people think, well, I don't have time for self-care. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can carve out a small time for self-care every single day. Uh, and for me, that is my skincare routine on evening. Uh, I take a good maybe 15 minutes when I call a shower to, you know, wash my face, tone, you know, apply my serums and my oils. And it just, it really winds me down and really it's something that benefits me because it helps my skin. But it's also something that I just enjoy just massaging my face and looking at my products. <laughs> and that does something for me and helps me. It's something I can look forward to on evenings when I'll do. Also for me, self-care, a huge form of self-care for me is movement. So whether it's doing my yoga practice or going to the gym or like taking my dogs for a walk, Spending time with people that I love, um, spending time with my dogs as well, is taking time to just cuddle them and, you know, sometimes I come home and I might feel so, like this evening I felt kind of tired and I had a mild headache, but then when I came home and I saw how happy they were to see me and I cuddled them and spent time with them and, you know, that makes you feel so much better and I feel like that is a form of self-care, taking that time to, you know, love on them. So for me, self-care doesn't have to be, I always say it doesn't have to be anything fancy. It can be, you know, Netflix, mm-hmm. it can be saying no to something that you don't want to do. All of that is self-care as far as I'm concerned. It can be having a cup of tea at work. It can be, I always say, leaving your phone in the office <laughs> and going to the lunchroom and eating your lunch. Without Quite. the distraction. Yeah. Typical self-care for me every day is my skincare routine at night. <laughs> That's great. And in the process, you end up looking younger and younger. <laughs> but no I know you're the person asking me the questions but I am interested to know what your self-care is like you know it's kind of similar to yours I will spend the time no matter how tired I am I'm, I spend the time moisturizing my face not even just washing my face just moisturizing my face I'll take a good 15 minutes just rubbing in some Jamaican black castor oil oh it feels so good <laughs> I really enjoy doing that. So it's funny that you you mentioned that. I also do enjoy a cup of tea. I used to, you know, it used to be wine for me. And you think it would be wine when I have three kids. But (laughs) the more children I have, the less I enjoy wine. I'm not sure if the hormones did something to me, but it just tastes different. So I've always been a tea person. So I just drink more tea and and just Mm -hmm. holding my favorite mug, which is huge full of chamomile tea and honey is it's like heaven <laughs> exactly i love it yeah but thank you for asking yeah i always like to hear people's self-care routines it's just good to, and essential for everyone and, and even for the work that we do in in pelvic health like again the emotional and the physical connection so having some form of self-care not just this whole day of going to the spa or getting your nails done but small things throughout the day of self-care and I tell people sometimes it might just be drinking a glass of water uninterrupted or closing the door when you go to use the bathroom it's a form of self-care so you don't have any distraction 
Yes. <laughs> it's the little thing. Yeah, I was speaking to a mom recently, and she said she went to, you know, use the bathroom, and her son was poking toys, and showing her name, and I thought, oh my god. Yeah. Yes. So being able to go by yourself, man, that's, yeah. that's pretty amazing. Enjoy, enjoy the little things. So when you do get to go by yourself and it's quiet, you know, savor that and enjoy it, appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, it's just like with you, your your dogs and you have four. Are they big dogs or little dogs? A combination. Oh, <laughs> so you get four fur babies just loving on you. Well, thank you for sharing that. And again, thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. And I'm going to link your information in the show notes so everyone can find you and see your amazing yoga poses and your amazing videos that you share and i think even just watching your your pictures and your videos in barbados is self-care for many people who don't get to have that view on a daily basis well again thank you for joining us thank you too it was my pleasure i really enjoyed it it was my honor thanks for tuning in this week in the kegel room I would like to thank our guest, Jasmine Evelyn, a pelvic health physio and yoga teacher in Barbados and founder of Mindful Movement. Be sure to show her some love by following her on social media. Tune in for new episodes every other Tuesday on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, rate, or leave us a message. And as always, share with a friend or two because sharing is caring. Until next time, sisters, may your pelvic floor be healthy and strong, just like you. Peace.